You're listening to Business in Bloom, a podcast for creatives and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and creative business coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-belief, creativity, and what it means to run a business on your own terms. Hello, and welcome back to episode 93. Today's episode is split into two parts. I'm chatting to Astrid Bracker, who was previously a guest on episode 76. And today we chat all things Substack, what it is, what makes it different to other newsletter platforms, and why you may want to consider starting your very own Substack. So let's jump straight in. Hi Astrid, thanks so much for joining me again. Hi Anna, it's really lovely to be here again. So for those who don't know you, and I obviously, but anyone who may have uh, listened to our previous conversation, that they will... Uh, know a little bit about you already but uh, why don't you just give us a quick introduction just for those who perhaps haven't listened to the previous episode. Yeah Um, so my name is Astrid Bracke and I am a small business mentor and I work primarily with small business owners, freelancers and some artists who want a slower, gentler and more profitable business. And I do that through one-to-one mentoring and um, my newsletter, Substack, which we'll be talking about, and some workshops. And I'm really passionate about helping small business owners and freelancers create a business away from the norm of productivity and hustle culture and instead choose a business that is more in line with their lives and their bodies and their humanness. So that's what I do in my business. And otherwise, I'm also really um, passionate about reading and gardening and tending to my houseplants and drinking lots of tea and just enjoying um, a slower pace of life. Amazing. I remember, I think in the previous conversation, we talked about your love for reading and how you actually realized that you really wanted to incorporate that into your daily routine so from what from what it sounds like it's it's still going strong yes definitely yeah it's the sort of starting my day with 30 minutes of novel reading which still feels like a complete luxury but it's really good yeah it's funny isn't it it does in a sense but what a wonderful way to start the day yeah definitely it's no longer something that I have to earn right by getting all the work done um yeah, yeah so that's really good yeah so let's dive into Substack and as you were talking you mentioned your newsletter and Substack or is your newsletter Substack now is there a, a distinction yeah yeah so just to, to I think to get some terminology out of the way so what previously I had, I sent out my newsletter through um, Mailchimp, and then I switched over to to Flowdesk, and now I send it out through Substack. So I use now I use both terms a bit interchangeably. So I will say newsletter, or I will say my Substack, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, the company is also called Substack. So I think that is for some people a bit confusing. So essentially, when people are saying my Substack, they mean their newsletter, or, or sometimes they'll call it my publication, um, just as you would say, you know, my Flowdesk newsletter. Um, I guess no one really says my Flowdesk newsletter, but my newsletter. So that's that's kind of a terminology um, thing. 
Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. That's a that's a good starting point. And I think perhaps to go back even one step further, um, for those who perhaps don't know what Substack is, um, would you be able to kind of just briefly tell us what it is and how does it compare to other platforms, I suppose? Yeah, so I often describe Substack as kind of the love child between an old-fashioned blog and a newsletter because what it does is it allows you to send out newsletters as you would through any other newsletter provider like MailChimp or MailerLite or Flowdesk or whatever. But as you're sending them out, it also publishes the newsletters. So in that sense, it's like a blog, right? Um, And it also allows lots of focus on community. So there's commenting features and it's really... Um, encouraged that people comment and create kind of community around their newsletter or Substack publication. Um, One thing that people often ask me before I talk about how it compares to other platforms is, is it free? And how do people, you know, how does the company make money? Because I think we are so inclined to be sceptical of this kind of thing. Um, It is free. It's free to set up your Substack newsletter, if you decide to add a paid option, because that's another feature of Substack that you can you can just send out newsletters that people can receive for free, like you would a regular newsletter, but you can also choose to add bonus posts or bonus features that only paid subscribers get. And when you turn on paid subscriptions and when people actually take out paid subscriptions, Substack takes 10% of every paid subscription. So if you were to, like a standard minimum would be like £5 a month, um, then they take 10% uh, off that. Um, And that's how they make money. And I think because they make money by other people doing the writing is they are also really committed to supporting writers doing what they do best, which is writing. If you think about how it how it compares to other formats or other platforms, it's more than a newsletter provider, right? With Flowdesk or MailChimp and, and all the others, it's it, those feel to me more as a one-way street, which is which is fine, right? So I write a newsletter and I hit send and then my subscribers get it. And one of the things that I really like about Substack is that it allows more community and more interaction. So people, because it has such an easy comment feature, people are, they more easily leave comments, right? Whereas with a regular newsletter, of course, you can, reply to it um, but now people can respond to each other's comments and I, I get more of a sense of community and this community is also something that the company Substack itself really tries to to grow so they've included all kinds of features um, to make that connection between the people doing the writing and the people doing the reading easier like you can recommend other people's newsletters Uh, which I think is a really great feature. And more recently, they've also enabled uh, chats that you can set up with your newsletter subscribers or even notes, which I'm personally not quite um, sure of yet what it is, but it's a a kind of 
I don't know. Is it is it like a cross between Twitter and a newsletter? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, all of these new functions that you can use but don't have to use um, in order to connect to your readers. Yeah, I think you mentioned that sense of community and then that's something that Substack as a company are really prioritizing in order to allow writers to connect with an audience with other writers too of course and I say writers in you know not strictly someone who writes for a living but anyone really who writes and I think maybe that's something that's important to mention as well as that actually um, anyone who writes a newsletter so be it a business owner you know service provider product kind of based business I suppose or or if, even if you don't have a business of course you could just write anything there and and publish it and connect with an audience that you may not necessarily have had um access to perhaps b- before um but but one of the things that really stood out to me was that like you say sense of community the ability to comment so easily and actually engage in a conversation with your audience because once you've posted not only is it delivered to someone's inbox if they are subscribed is also then um, available for people to read kind of the archive. So it's online. So I suppose all the hard work that you've put into writing a newsletter doesn't just finish with that one send. It continues to kind of live on, which is something that I've always kind of wondered about, you know, with traditional newsletters. And I know that some people would perhaps repurpose old newsletters and, and create them into blog posts to, to include on their website. So I suppose that's one advantage of of Substack as well is that that content lives on and is able to, or you're able to connect with mm. people for for a much longer period of time. Yeah, definitely, and and I think one thing that I see this as a, as a benefit as well. I really see my Substack newsletter as a kind of I'm really creating this archive of, of all of these posts that I've feel are really valuable and those are also the kinds of subsack that I love most right that you just sort of dive in and you discover other great things that someone's written um, and I, I really like to have this kind of archive in that sense I think at the same time for some people this might be a drawback because we've gotten so used to I don't know marketing or, or positioning our newsletters as this exclusive thing And also saying, you know, sign up for my newsletter to get, you know, like exclusive whatever. Um, And of course, once it's published online, that that is gone. Although I guess you could set the Substack to private and then it's not visible uh, on the Internet unless you have uh, a link to it. But yeah, so that exclusivity is gone. Although I do know that there are people who also use traditional lead magnets to inspire people to sign up for their Substack because you still get a welcome email that is not on the internet as it is. So you get a welcome email welcoming you to the newsletter and you could add like exclusive resources or a lead magnet uh, to that. So to to keep some of that exclusivity, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I suppose the flip side of of it being um public and and you know anyone can read it is I suppose sometimes perhaps 
I'd imagine some people are inclined to do this, that perhaps you share things that are a little bit more uh, private or a little bit more difficult to share in a newsletter. Not always, of course, but sometimes there is a the level of kind of vulnerability that perhaps you feel like you're able to share a little bit more with your audience. And actually, obviously, having that, you know, for, for all eyes to see, perhaps isn't always um, what you may intend. So I guess, mm. yeah, so that the, there are things to, to, to consider. But just going back to the kind of community element and the ability to comment, because I think actually that's a really... Of course, that that was very much part of the kind of blog culture, I guess, back when blogs were, you know, really big. But I've not seen that, or at least perhaps I haven't engaged with that. Um, I don't know, perhaps others do still. But even if I did go to someone's blog and I read it, I wouldn't ever really write a comment. It just it wouldn't really be part mm. of what what I do. Whereas in Substack, is actually you know quite it's quite a nice thing to do when when you know that you're kind of connecting with another writer or, or someone else. So yeah, so I think that's a really important feature actually that I think, like I said earlier, kind of allows you to really have that dialogue with the audience. And then of course, there's the kind of chat that you can have and, and all the kind of additional features um, that Substack have uh, introduced. Yeah, definitely. I think and because it's so easy to leave a comment, it it becomes really normal and natural and of course you don't have to I mean there's plenty of people who either don't feel comfortable or sometimes I mean I you know I might read a newsletter on Substack and just be okay yeah you know you don't always have something to say in the comments but I do think that indeed like with the old-fashioned blogs it much more encourages it and I think also today I, I mean I still have a blog um but I've turned off comments just because of the spam mm and yeah. I think that that goes for many people that that's just really fallen out to like normal behavior to leave a comment on a blog post. Yeah. And I suppose Substack is a little bit more in a way when you are commenting and leaving a comment on someone's post, it's almost, it's more similar to leaving a comment on someone's Instagram post, for example, in, in, in my opinion, because it, yeah, it, it, it feels like a dialogue and you know that, well, you know, if, if someone is relatively active, they'll probably most likely respond to your comment and you can have that kind of two-way conversation um, as you would on a other kind of social media platform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, and I think some of the subsects that I enjoy most also just have lots of conversations between subscribers and, yeah, just really vibrant and very pleasant communities. I mean, I think as with all platforms, they're, probably corners of Substack that are not as supportive and lovely as the corners that I hang out in. But mm-hmm. overall, I've what I've seen so far, and I've been reading on Substack, I think for, for over two years, I've not once seen any like negative comments or, or people just being really nasty to each other. It's just been a really lovely experience for me reading and also now uh, writing on it. And so when did you decide to move over to Substack? Because you were with, uh, was it MailerLite previously? No, did you say? I was most Flowdesk. recently, I, Flowdesk, yes. yes. Um, I think I, um, I mean, I've been reading on Substack 
like I'd been reading like one or two sub stacks for a while. And then last year, so that's May um, 2022, I thought, oh, I really want to start a sub stack. And I didn't really know what about. And that kind of turned into a hobby project because I have kind of a hobby sub stack newsletter about houseplants. Um, and that was kind of perfect for, for experimenting and trying stuff out and had, you know, starting off from scratch and yeah, just, just dipping my toes into it. And then over the summer of 2022, I was looking on Substack for small business newsletters and particularly small business newsletters written by women, or at least that are more in kind of in line with the slow, gentle and profitable business that I'm all about. And what I found were at that point, mainly white men in suits talking about mm-hmm. hustle culture. And I thought, huh, why is there, you know, wh- where are all the small business owners that I would like to hang out with? And then I thought, wait a minute, I can start my newsletter on Substack. And then I decided to move over uh, my existing newsletter to Substack. And I really took a couple of months to to do that. Not, I, I don't think you need to do that. As you said, you did it quite spontaneously. Um, I really like to sort of get into it and, and sort of do some research about what I wanted to do and what I wanted it to look like. And then eventually in um, November, or October of 2022, I moved over my Flowdesk newsletter to Substack. How did that kind of transition process go? Were were there any kind of teething problems? And I guess I'm curious, what prompted you to move everything across? Uh, I ask because, so what I've done for the time being is I've moved my list across to Substack. I've kind of explained what I was doing, I sent my email list, uh, uh, kind of an email just to let them know what was happening. Um, and I moved everything across. Having said that, I've still kept, um, I'm with um, Active Campaign for my newsletter and I've kept that list going on there for the time being with the thought that perhaps I might want to sell, send some kind of sale emails or very kind of strictly related to like working with me emails for example that I think would perhaps fit better with um a normal kind of newsletter format um so yeah I'm curious kind of what your thinking process behind uh just kind of moving across to Substack was yeah I should probably say that about 98 percent of my newsletter now lives on Substack and by that I mean that there's one thing that I'm still doing through Flowdesk and as we speak, I'm planning to to move that as well because I have um, an email series that I created last year, the year before, about mm-hmm. moving your business away from social media. And it's a free four-week email series, which is still really popular. People still sign up for it every week, which is great. Substack does not allow automations because it's not yeah. a newsletter provider like that. So that still runs through Flowdesk. And that also means that if people sign up for it through Flowdesk, I need to uh, more or less manually add them to um, to Substack. So that is still one thing that 
I can imagine if you have tons of automation, so that might keep you from it, from making that move. But I'm currently um, working on setting up Podia for, for workshops and courses, and I'll move that email um, sequence there as well. I'll still have to add people to the Substack as well. But so that's one thing that might be a disadvantage, but it's really not big enough for me to to not make the move. And what prompted me to make the move completely is just this idea that I couldn't deal with the idea of having to to focus on two things at the same time. And I did very similar to what you did. I told my newsletter subscribers about a month before I made the move that I was moving to, to Substack and that nothing would change, but that the layout would look a little bit different because the layout does look a little bit different. And there were actually, as far as I know, unless people haven't told me, um, but there were really no teething problems, I think. It just went very smoothly. And also just the technical process of importing subscribers is very smooth. You just essentially every newsletter provider like MailChimp or MailerLite or Flowdisk, they all have the option for you to export your list yeah. as a CSV file and you import that into Substack and that can that takes like depending on how many subscribers you have a couple of minutes and then everyone's on your new list so that's been really really easy yeah I found the same um in terms of the actual moving of the list across it was as, as simple as you say exporting the list from the from the previous provider and then importing it into Substack having said that I because I hadn't written a newsletter for some time at the time of kind of making that shift, making that move, I did notice a few unsubscribes, which is, I think, to be expected because, like I say, I hadn't written for a few months and all of a sudden I was popping up in people's inbox and they were like, well, who, who's this person? <laughs> or perhaps, you know, the newsletter was no longer relevant. So there was a few uh, unsubscribes, but nothing big, literally a handful of people. And that's the only thing that I'm still getting to grips with some people initially unsubscribed on Active Campaign, so then I had to manually unsubscribe them on Substack and vice versa. Um, so that was just the only, perhaps not necessarily a teething problem, but just something to be aware of. Um, just yeah. that obviously people may unsubscribe from different platforms at different times, and just paying attention to that, I guess. I I wonder if you have any any kind of um, examples of when perhaps moving over to Substack isn't necessarily a good idea. I know we obviously mentioned the kind of automations. That's a really big one if that's something that you really use in your business, like, you know, multiple automations, then perhaps moving everything across to Substack doesn't really make sense. Um, but are there any other kind of times where perhaps you feel like it's not necessarily going to serve the right kind of purpose? I think a big one is that if you're doing it out of fear of missing out, you really shouldn't. Because I've been hearing, as I, I am very excited about Substack, so I talk about it quite a bit. But I also notice that I often get the response of people are like, yeah, I feel like I should move to Substack mm. as well. Or also people saying, you know, um, is it the new big, next big thing? And other people being really critical of it for being hyped in that sense. I think, I mean, you should never join a platform just because it now seems to be the next big thing. So if you feel 
that kind of pressure, I think it's it's good to take a step back and to to really think about okay, so but what what would I really want from it? Um, and fear of missing out, I think, is never a great reason to to make make a move. I think, in addition to to what you said about the um, automations. One of the, I mean, two of the big reasons that I decided to move uh, were, first of all, fostering community. I really wanted more connection and more interaction with my um, newsletter readers. So that was a big one. And I wanted to eventually introduce paid subscriptions, which I've now done, to create both a more intimate and, and, and exclusive community, but also to make my Substack newsletter really a part of my business in the sense that it's now becoming an income stream. Mm-hmm. And I think if those two reasons, so the community and the option to offer paid subscriptions, if, if both of those don't matter to you and totally fine if they don't, that's less of a reason, I would say, to to make the shift. One thing that I that I do want to say is because I've been talking quite a bit recently also with artists and Substack really grew out of this focus on writers but there's also loads of artists on Substack that don't write or that barely actually write um so there's artists that draw their newsletter or that just share uh, an artwork or resources or them that are much less text heavy than I am for instance so I think that if you feel like, well, but I'm an artist or I'm more of a visual person or I like sharing photographs or whatever, um, if you don't consider yourself to be a writer or good with words, doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't um, move to Substack. <laughs> One of the things that I want to go back to actually is the paid subscription because I don't think we've kind of um, dived into that enough or perhaps explained how it works you've mentioned obviously that Substack take 10% of those paid subscriptions when might you consider switching that on because that's not um something that you have to do you can choose to continue to write you know and and have it accessible to everyone um but there's the also the added option of of having paid subscriptions can you tell us a little bit about how how that works and and what the I suppose what the difference is and and how people are going about making that as you say another income stream in their business yeah so the paid subscriptions i think there's various reasons why people would want to add paid subscriptions i think as small business owners it might initially feel strange to us to start offering paid subscriptions as well because we've been writing newsletters for free right and writing a newsletter is part of marketing and I think many of us see marketing as just something comes with the business and not necessarily something that you're paid for but I think what I found really inspiring is particularly um, writers so people who have written outside of Substack as well saying that there's you know there's value in the things that we write and if possible it's great and good to to pay for what you value so I think that's one of the the big reasons that people like for instance Emma Gannon has I think she's now 
pretty much put nearly all of her posts on our only for paid subscribers because she says, you know, this is my job. This is what I do. And I think that's a very valid um, argument. There's also um, lots of people on Substack who send out a free newsletter maybe once a month or maybe once every two weeks, um, which is what I do. I have a free post going out every two weeks. And then they add bonus posts or discussion threads for paid subscribers only. And I decided to do that because I wanted to offer more behind the scenes kind of uh, resources as well. And I wanted to offer just a more you know, exclusive is maybe a little bit of a loaded word, but just more content that I would usually sell maybe as a as a workbook mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, but now in the form of posts. And also to to be a bit more vulnerable. Ellie, you said something about how because everything is also immediately online with Substack, you might be hesitant to share more personal things. And for me, I did want to share some more personal things uh, about my business or about myself, but not necessarily with the whole world. So in that sense, the the paywall for me really gives me that space. Um, For instance, a couple of months ago, I wrote a post about my goals for this year. And I also included my financial goals, which felt good to do in that smaller community of the paid subscribers but I would feel I think probably just a little bit too vulnerable to do it in the the bigger like on the internet um, version yeah so that's another reason why I think people decide to go paid is because they want to offer other um, resources and then there's a third category I'd say of people who offer paid subscriptions but don't necessarily offer any content that is exclusive to subscribers, but that just offer the paid subscribers as a way for you as a reader to support them. And that's another thing that I really like about Substack. If I look at the people that I read and I have a paid subscription, the fact that I get something like, you know, posts that otherwise I wouldn't read or access to discussion threads, that is only part of the reason why I am a paid subscriber. It's also because I really respect and value the work that these people do and I want to support them. Um, and so I think it's it's in that sense, there's various reasons for, for people to decide to go paid, but there's also various reasons for readers to take out a paid subscription. And as you said, you can keep everything free forever. There's no punishment um, though you don't get any emails from Substack saying, why aren't you going paid? It's just totally okay. Yeah, and actually on that note, I don't think, as far as I'm aware, that there is an algorithm that would punish you for not necessarily having a paid subscription. Because ultimately, of course, you know, we know that Substack as a company will want to be profitable. Therefore, they would be encouraging everyone to have a paid subscription. But there isn't, as far as I'm aware, perhaps you can correct me, um, uh, an algorithm that would kind of necessarily punish not engaging in that kind of paid subscription model. No, there isn't. And there's, in the sense that to the extent there even is an algorithm. So there's one way in which you can discover new um, 
Substack newsletters is through their explore page. But as far as I know, that works through looking at the kind of people that you read and what they recommend. So it really depends on these connections between people or they will just put like popular posts on the explore page. But as far as I can tell, to the extent that there is an algorithm, it definitely doesn't depend on these people have uh, turned on paid subscriptions or not. And they also sometimes spotlight or feature people who have a free who have a free newsletter. Um, so yeah, there's no being penalized for not having paid subscriptions. Yeah, unlike with some other platforms, if you're not consistent perhaps you're not yeah. you know your content doesn't really reach a, a big audience yeah yeah and and I have to say one of the things that I really like about Substack is that I don't have to and I in all honesty I rarely look at the explore page I find new Substack newsletters to read through people who leave comments on my own posts or who leave comments on posts by other people that I read or through yeah. recommendations. So for me, it really doesn't have that feel of scrolling and consuming and and, and more, more, more that um, something like Instagram felt for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm the same that I connect with perhaps recommendations of, of the publications that I've read and they re- they have recommended someone and I'll perhaps have a little um look at their substack and and kind of go from there so yeah I, d- I don't I don't think I've looked at the explore page at all really uh at any point <laughs> in all honesty yeah. so it is through comments and and that more authentic I suppose engagement yeah it, it almost feels more like that you know that game that sometimes people play like so many degrees of like you know how many steps it takes for us to be connected to I don't know a mm. famous person it almost feels more like that we all have little threads between us. Um, so I read your substack, so we have a little thread. So then I might, through you, find another substack that you read, but that I don't know yet. It's, it works much more in that kind of connection community uh, way than it does with, you know, in terms of any kind of algorithm. Yeah, I really love that way of putting it. Yeah, that's a nice way to look at it. Substack have recently introduced notes. You mentioned that you're not so sure about it. I have a sense that I know why, <laughs> but <laughs> why don't you tell us um, what notes are and, and also why perhaps you're not quite convinced yet? Yeah. So in all honesty, I find it really hard to describe what notes is. Mm. To me, it feels, I think it feels like Twitter 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but essentially what you can do is you can you can share things with either your subscribers or, well, no, it should go back. What you do through notes is you share either your own posts or quotes from another posts or even things like just a picture or something you want to share. So in that sense, it feels very much like uh, Twitter. And then there's mm-hmm. a separate tap either on the website or in the Substack app that you can click and there you can see either the things that only the people that you are subscribed to post or you can see like a wider network which again works through these connections so 
someone is following or someone is commenting on someone else and that shows up in my like notes feed yeah um i I think I looked at it. I think the first time I looked at it, I thought, well, this looks like a lot. And then I left. Um, I think I do like looking at what people that I'm subscribed to post occasionally on notes. And I've decided to experiment a little bit with posting my own new posts on it. So I've decided to just try that out a couple of times and see what that does. But it's definitely not a part yet of my... um, of my routine and I think for such like the way that they explained it is that this is just another way for them to create that sense of community and to really allow writers to connect with other people and, and with readers it doesn't feel quite organic to me yet um, so I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes but they did say that the focus is going to be on the longer form or at least the, the regular like the newsletters that you write so they're not secretly morphing into twitter it seems mm. let's hope not <laughs> yes. um but i i can see some positives to notes and it's I've, I've seen people sharing for example little quotes from other people's newsletters and saying you know they've really enjoyed reading it and actually i've been able to find things through through that um kind of new newsletters that perhaps i wouldn't have normally have found so that's been good but i do agree that it it feels a little bit like scrolling through hundreds and hundreds of notes and I'm not quite sure what the value to me as the user is yet um yeah because I think it yeah it, it can potentially replicate that kind of social media doom scro- scrolling a little bit so yeah I appreciate it. it's not for everyone but it's I suppose it's just a separate kind of feature that isn't necessarily the center of attention I guess yeah absolutely and and yeah it, I don't think it's it's the center of attention f- for them um and also not for me I know some people do enjoy it and others don't what I do very much like about Substack as a, as a company is that they tend to be quite transparent about these kinds of developments and also really respond in the comments to their own posts about why they do things and why they decided to include things so i do really um enjoy that and appreciate that yeah i agree i agree it's um it's almost like we're along for the journey and we're able to see what's going on behind the scenes which um which is always well i suppose in a way it makes you feel part of the the growth of the platform Mm, definitely yeah Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with friends. And if you can, please consider leaving a review. I'll be seeing you soon.